This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. In my personal opinion, birth control should not make somebody feel uncomfortable. There is an adjustment period as with any other medication, any, you know, other treatment or like even a new diet or a new exercise plan. There is an adjustment period where you could experience changes and you want to be prepared for that. Birth control is a $65 billion industry, which goes to show just how many people use it. But did you know that 75% of people who use birth control have some sort of side effect and one third take five methods and two years to find the right solution. And so today we are having a discussion about how you can find the right solution for you. So enter Raya Health. I'm interviewing Dallas Barnes, who is the founder and CEO and had her own multi-year journey trying to find the right solution for herself, as well as Tara Vialli, who is a naturopathic doctor with over a decade of experience in women's reproductive health, contraceptive counseling, and female hormonal management. And it's a really interesting discussion. I know I learned a lot as well, even with all the episodes that I have done on birth control. So be sure to check out my show notes if you want to hear what other experts have to say about this topic. So let's hear from Dallas and Thada. All right, so why don't we go ahead and start with the introduction. So Dallas, do you want to start and then we'll go to Thada? Um, My name is Dallas and I'm the founder and CEO of Rhea Health. I got into the entrepreneurial space out of um, my own necessity and feeling a lack of solutions within my own personal reproductive health journey. And um, Reyes grew from that, from my own personal experience. Since then, I've grown into the role of a reproductive and sexual health activist and speaker. I speak globally on these topics, holding events and workshops on these areas. Um, I'm an advisor for Femtech Canada and so excited to be here. Well, thank you so much. And Thara, tell us your background. I have uh, spent about a decade working in women's health as a naturopathic physician uh, and really seeing exactly what you were speaking to, Georgie, of people who don't understand what's going on in their bodies and they're coming from one route and then it starts to unpack everything else uh, that's going on within. And about four years ago, I shifted into tech, into health tech specifically, because I could see that the work that I was doing on a one-on-one basis could really be scaled. A lot of that information can be shared at a wider, in a, in a wider net and larger, larger impact with what my knowledge can, can um, offer. And so then I started working in health tech about four years ago, and then Dallas and I met and we, uh, we really, I would say aligned around the values of what what it means to have choice uh, in your healthcare decisions, and that what most people who take 
birth control or any type of hormonal type of um, or non-hormonal changes to the one's body, they often don't realize that there are choices and that they can be figured out by asking the right questions. So that's the journey how I've arrived here. So Dallas, tell us about your experience with birth control, because I, I read the, a bit of your background um, on the Rhea Health website, and I was actually really surprised to hear how many different types of birth control you had to try. And apparently that's very common. I wasn't taught like what symptoms to be monitoring. And if I should say something that you know, may need to change the birth control. And so I'm so, I was so curious to, to better understand your journey and why it, what was happening to you that took so many iterations and how that's a theme with so many women. My experience with birth control started when I was about 17, just getting into a relationship for the first time. And I knew, you know, the thing that you do is go on birth control. I knew there was condoms and the pill and that was largely it. And so I went to my family doctor, who also saw my dad and was an older gentleman. So in all honesty, I wanted to get in and out of there as soon as possible. Like this was a very uncomfortable conversation for me as a teenager to be having with this individual. We aren't taught these things in school, as you said, Georgie. So going into it, I really didn't have any idea of one, that there are more options than just condoms and the pill, and two, that there's tons of different methods under the umbrella of the pill, and wasn't sure, you know, what questions I should be asking, and so the pill really was just, for the first option that I had was sort of handed to me so nonchalantly, is what I can remember, that I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what the brand name is today. Um, and so that then began my experience with unwanted side effects or just having negative experiences with birth control. So I remember going home, going on this pill and starting to feel just like off and you couldn't, can't quite place it. And then trying methods after that. So I tried various forms of the pill, each one making me feel, you know, unlike myself or a side effect that honestly, just I wasn't prepared for. Nobody told me that I could possibly experience these things or what to do when I experienced them. If I um, went back to my physician or inquired about these changes that my body was experiencing, I was largely told, you know, it's normal, it'll subside. Um, and so you're kind of just, okay, you know, I'll suck it up <laughs> and you go home. But one method in particular that I was on, um, my body just reacted so adversely to that I had debilitating pain every day. Um, my, I had bleeding every day that was way heavier than what a normal period would be for me. I started to develop cysts on my ovaries, chronic UTIs, so many issues that I was, I just felt so alone in that process. I wasn't getting the answers that I was um, wanting. My questions weren't being answered. Um, I wasn't getting the support that I was looking for. And you go online and you start Googling these things and Googling these symptoms and, you know, you think you're going to die, long story short. Um, and so one day my body was just in so much pain um, that I was actually admitted to the hospital due to one of the cysts. And that was the last straw for me. I was like, this is insane. 
it should not be this difficult to find a birth control option that I like. Here I am trying to be proactive about my health, do the right thing, and it, you know, it's biting me in the butt. And so I ended up, you know, going off <laughs> birth control and just taking a step back, um, using using condoms because that was what it was available to me. And as I was, I wanted an option. I had criteria, you know, I wanted an option that um, I felt confident in, that I really didn't have to worry about every time that I was sexually active. And so I started doing a lot of my own research and trying to understand the female body, the options available to me, hormonal and non-hormonal, um, how those all work together and how they could, you know, have a wonderful relationship for what I wanted and the goals that I had on my birth control journey. Um, and I learned so much through that process. And I ended up finding an option that I thought could work well for me. I went and asked for it, you know, advocated for myself. And that was one of the best birth control methods that I've ever used. And throughout that process, I just got a little bit more comfortable in the language. And through this knowledge, I started sharing what I did with my friends who I was learning were also having, having struggles with birth control. And then COVID happened and I was, you know, looking for something to do. I was kind of out of, out of work. Um, and I was talking to this founder um, and she was like, you know, if you're ever curious about entrepreneurship, you, you should just, just try it. And I knew at that point prior to that conversation that I needed to do something um, to address this problem that women were facing when it came to reproductive health and finding an option that they liked. And so it all really came from me taking my own experience and wanting to create the solution that I wished I had. And it started to grow out of just conversations and sharing sharing my knowledge with other people. And then I met Clara and it <laughs> continued to grow from there. Wonderful. So once you went on this journey and decided to, you know, go down this path of empowering women to be able to select what's right for them, like, what are you finding as far as how common this is? It was so eye-opening. So when you're in these situations and going through this process, like, these are things we just don't talk about. We're starting to now, and I'm, I love seeing the change of narrative on even through social media has been super powerful within friend groups and just with younger generations coming into these um, this area of decision making. I think it's changing, which I'm excited to see. But um, largely, like these are still conversations that people feel uncomfortable speaking on. Um, and so... Even when I was going through my experience, I didn't really share it with my mom or share it with my sister. It was just like, okay, I think I'm feeling a little off, you know. And so when I actually started talking about it and asking people to, um, asking people about their experience, it was astounding how many other people just within my own personal circle were also struggling with these issues. Once we started diving deeper and doing our own research, um, the research that we did in-house at Rhea, and also just information and research that um, has already been done, 75% of people who use birth control describe a negative experience at some point in time. There's also um, studies that have shown a third of people who use birth control 
take over five methods to find an option that works for them and an average of two years to go through that trial and error process and largely feeling unsupported, a lack of information, and just not sure where to turn for resources. And so that was like, okay, you know, some if I can make like the smallest incremental improvement in this process, like it can be life-changing for people. And we've seen that with the impacts that we've been having at Rhea. I love talking to our members and our community and just the areas that we have been able to support people on the reproductive health journey has been in some ways like areas that I never even thought possible. Um, and it's so motivating to me at the end of the day. So Thada, um, in your practice, because you you know have been a healthcare provider, because we women aren't necessarily taught what normal is, and that also the issue is normal is a little bit different for each person, what are you seeing as the common issues that women face as a result of birth control? And by the way, I want to preface, our bodies are complex, and it's not always, I'm on birth control, therefore I have issue, therefore birth control is bad. It's a little more complicated than that. But, you know, I guess just from what you're seeing where anything you could tie to either potentially birth control or just the complexity of women's health, um, what women should be monitoring to say, hey, I should go to my provider and then also mention I'm on birth control and maybe we should see if there's an association. So when we talk about birth control and the concept of the pill, that's, that's our first mistake, I think, is that just as, as people who are, are looking for solutions, we get taught that there is a word called the pill. Like just the beginning that that's how we even converse about it. Are you on the pill? Which pill? What does it do? There's just so much just to unpack in that one vocabulary piece that we use regularly. So just that showing up saying, well, I'm on the pill. Immediately I am like, okay, well, we need, there's, we have to go through this and figure out what's going on. Which pill? Does this even apply to any of the symptoms you're having or does it not at all? Uh, so having first an educational piece around what what is the medication you're taking? It's a medication and you've been told that it is the pill. What uh, Beyond that, do you know anything else? And so that's the first step with most, most people that are coming into clinic is, is education around what, what it is. And then on top of that is understanding what it does for your menstrual cycle. So it's not just, okay, I'm taking this pill and that's what those pills have in them. Uh, it's also saying, okay, what does that do to my menstrual cycle? Because I think a lot of times people are coming in and they don't know what a contraceptive method does to their periods. Does it eliminate the period? Is it supposed to get rid of the period? Am I supposed to have regular periods? Am I still ovulating? There's so many things that aren't being taught when you're given that medication itself. So you can be on a birth control method. You could be ovulating still then all of your symptoms take a whole different uh, lens of what's going on. You could not be ovulating and be bleeding, and that takes a whole different set of, of lenses to evaluate symptoms. You could not be ovulating and not bleeding. That also looks very different, and that may be because that's the intent of that pill or that method, and it also could be that's not supposed to happen on that pill or that method. So it's so complex in terms of of understanding why a symptom shows up 
in someone taking a method like that because you need to understand what was intended by that medication, what the medication actually was, and how much the person knows about it itself. And the other piece is, which is, it's a tricky piece when someone's been on, so let's say, a birth control pill since they were a teenager, is understanding what their periods were, what their menstrual cycles were before they began the pill. Because it gives us a little bit of a lens into what might be underneath. Because as soon as there is a hormonal intervention to stop ovulation, you lose some of the messaging. It's not bad, it's just that you lose some of that. And so being able to gather some of that information from prior also gives us some, some more detective clues around what's going on. And, and from that, you can then start to say, so like that's the, that's the beginning, right? And then we start to say, okay, what are you experiencing? What are the kind of bodily symptoms that are going on? What are the cognitive, mental symptoms, emotional symptoms? And then do they link to any of those things that we've unpacked? But we first have to get all that information. And so if you were to say, okay, ladies, here's like the top five or the top 10. If you have these, you know, make sure you say it to your healthcare provider because it could be a clue. So what, what might those like top few be? Yeah, I mean, I can give a few common period related symptoms. There are different types of symptoms that you look out for for various forms of birth control. But let's assume that a person is not taking any contraceptive methods that are hormonal or even non-hormonal. Um, and then we're just talking about a person's cycle and their periods and what are the things that you start looking out for. And so one of the things that gets missed, and it's the, one of the simplest things to watch for, is the amount of blood that one's losing. And that gets missed quite frequently because nobody, you don't, you don't share your cup with somebody else to be like, how much do you have? So when someone comes in and you say, well, how much are you bleeding? They're like, I think average. Like, how do you know? And so what I have in my own practice, what I've seen is people are often heavy, heavily bleeding and they don't know that's heavy bleeding because they've bled that way their whole yep. lives. And so the only people who will recognize heavy bleeding are people who bled um, less in their younger years, and now all of a sudden there's more. But if they've always bled a lot through their periods, uh, they don't see that as a problem. They're like, that's just, that's just what I, I expected. One thing is, if the bleeding is what we... We do it in milliliters, and that's our, it's so abstract. Nobody knows how many milliliters they bleed, but often it's spoken about in how many pads you fill, how many cups you fill. Um, so if, if you're filling over 90 mils, so in a cup, I think, depending on the cup size, that's like two or three full cups in a, in a period, that's actually significant blood loss. And in the research, which is definitely lacking in general, we need more of this, but in the research is over 90 milliliters, there's almost a guarantee that there's going to be iron deficiencies. And then you have a whole bunch of symptoms from iron deficiency. And then you're trying to correct that iron deficiency without acknowledging that the bleeding, the heavy bleeding is a huge part of this. So that's one of the biggest symptoms or signs is your, is how much blood you're actually losing and, and to not always relate it to what you've always had, but just to just take count and say, Hey, am I, am I actually doing seven days of a, of a heavy period? That's, that's too much. Um, what we're looking for is under, under 90 mils in a period. And Personally, I'm like, I never had, I was heavy bleeding my whole period life. 
Uh, and it wasn't, I had no right. idea. I just thought that that was regular. Um, and so that's one of them. The other piece that would be really important to recognize is around, it's a lot about your body awareness. And so how you're around what we call mid-cycle, so around ovulation. Um, if, if you are noticing any changes in your body, if you notice changes in your mood cycles, because we have cycles, um, and we have estrogen dominant cycles and uh, parts of our cycle and progesterone dominant and that changes how we think and how we feel and also the temperature of our bodies and also the cervical fluid that's coming through us. And so those are things to start taking note of if one is noting like, oh, I, you know, I notice when I'm ovulating. Just even that is something to start noticing. Sometimes people have a lot of pain when they ovulate. That's something to say, hey, you know, around mid-month, I have severe pain in my ovaries. Or not my ovaries, because you don't know technically if you bring it to your physician. <laughs> it's like, um, I, have, I have severe pain and it's always around this area down low and it's, it's always right in the middle of the month. That's something to bring forward because there's something happening with the ovulation there and that's worth checking in on. Uh, and, and the other piece of that is just your cervical mucus. And that's something that, again, sex and our reproductive organs are this sense of, we have this icky, taboo feeling of like it doesn't exist. <laughs> and so, so we tend not to talk about it with our parents. I don't. And, uh, and we tend not to think about talking about how to check those things. Uh, and so to check for your cervical mucus and not everyone has a lot of cervical mucus and that's not wrong, but that's something worth dialoguing about. Do I have a lot? Do I have a little? What does it feel like during different times of my cycle? Get to know your body. And that might just be, whoa, that's a bit too much. I don't want to put my hands there. I don't want to feel those things. Uh, and starting to notice what, as with all things with your body, there is no right. There's no normal there's your normal so it's not to take one one snapshot of what's going on with your cervical mucus and saying well mine's not egg white does that mean i'm not ovulating it's actually saying like what happens every month around that time maybe your cervical mucus looks a certain way feels a certain way you can start to track that and if you're noticing a change in that that's when you start to say hey i want to talk to a practitioner about this um, it's not to say that all physicians would have know what to do with that information. I would almost guarantee you most won't say, hey, I know what to do with thinner cervical mucus. But, but it's, a, it's a sign to say, like, maybe we should check your, your cycle. Maybe we should check your hormones. Are you on a birth control pill that we should be adjusting? That there are things that we, we, could, um, we could modulate. And so that's another piece that you would want to be checking for. Some of the things are going to be pain related uh, and some of the things are going to be outside of your uterus, like he severe headaches, or there's a huge set of symptoms that can come, but because those could also come with a lot of other conditions, I don't want to say those are the top 10 for someone with a period. It just, they tend to map alongside. So migraines are often considered part of a higher estrogen setup in a person's body, but also migraines, you should get checked completely separate from your, from your period. That's important to recognize is that they can't just be pinned to like on the off chance that all period care moves away from the physician. Those symptoms should be checked out separately from period care. 
FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health, having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders. Join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. Thank you for sharing that. And by the way, I just want to acknowledge because a lot of adolescents get put on birth control we know that periods aren't normalized until later in life. And there is a lot of concern around, especially hormonal birth control being given at a young age. And it's, I would assume it's hard to fully know what happened before the pill for that adolescent because it's so young and their period hasn't been normalized. And it's like a whole complex topic of nuances. But I assume that that is probably something a little bit harder to assess, right? Yeah. And again, it depends on the person. But yeah, the idea is that um, oftentimes people who are having very difficult periods are the ones who end up getting put on birth control, not as a birth right. control, but as a period manager. And unfortunately, that uh, that means that we don't ever get a chance for, to see what exactly. would have happened if they regulated. And oftentimes physicians are, are balancing out the suffering that's occurring to the solution, yeah. the de- like the, the negative impact of that solution. And so it is, uh, but some people can, you, some, some kids do have regulated periods by the time they get to their birth control option. And so, so even just getting, getting any information about pre-birth control is helpful, even if, yeah, it's not always that the um, adolescents aren't regulated by that time. So then now, um, Dallas, talk to us about how you all are coming up with I guess you could say an algorithm to determine what is right for the patient. And I'm assuming there's like a business data side to this, but also the medical side. So I don't know who wants to go first, because I think there's both components. What Raya does, we take information about an individual's medical history, their past and their present experience with birth control options, hormonal and non-hormonal, their... um, information about their hormonal profile, menstrual cycle that could be helpful, their lifestyle and their preferences. And we use an algorithm to take that information to match them to birth control options that could work really well. And our system explains why. So really outlining what in their profile led our system to suggest those methods, how do those options work, and what should they be prepared for when going to try one of those methods. Um, From there, we then support individuals in that trial phase. So a large part of the problem that we're seeing in the current contraceptive counseling process is a lack of follow-up and a lack of just that day-to-day support and somebody to be there to answer questions and just like really be a shoulder to lean on. We like to say that Rhea is your digital birth control best friend um, because we you know, go that extra mile. We help individuals before they start on an option to outline their boundaries when it comes to how their body might change when they try a new option. 
um, what they're willing to tolerate, for how long, at what severity. Um, Sara, I'm sure we'll get into this <laughs> a little bit more, but they're, um, in my personal opinion, birth control should not make somebody feel uncomfortable. There is an adjustment period, as with any other medication, any you know other treatment, or like even a new diet or a new exercise plan. There is an adjustment period where you could experience changes, and you want to be prepared for that and understand what could happening, why that's happening, and you know if you experience something that you're not comfortable with, what are we going to do about it? Let's have a conversation about it. So in what is the traditional contraceptive counseling process, these conversations and this support doesn't really happen. And so with Rhea, we are really wanting to enable these conversations and really put that power back into the individual and support them through those changes ultimately so that they have um, personalized information, resources, and tools so they can feel confident and comfortable with their health journey in this in this way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, the first concern I have around just birth control in general is that uh, the way that it's done in the traditional or the co the current contraception counseling is is there's not any information given around what you're taking. That's the biggest concern that's out there. And so, uh, once that's clear of what it is that you're taking and what actually is happening in your body. Again, a lot of people will come and they'll say they're on the pill and then they'll tell me that their period is every blank. And I say, that's not a period. And they say, oh, it isn't? And then I'm, I'm doing the counseling around what the, that particular birth control is doing in their bodies um, and that they're bleeding, but the bleeding is called is a withdrawal bleed or a bleed that's, that's from the pill. And so that's one piece of it that's really, that's a, that's a concern, that, that is why Rhea Health exists, to be able to help people understand that, uh, one of the reasons why Rhea exists. Uh, and then the other, the other thing that I think is critical is understanding people's histories, understanding what they want in their lives. So there is, there can be a push to say, this is good, this is bad. Like hormones are not good to be adding into your body or they are good because of X right. um, or we should be doing it or you should never put an IUD, you should never insert something into your vagina. Like there's lots of ways that you can go with this. Um, and, it, and it's all based on a, a personal bias and it can be based on research, but the, at the end of the day, the person who is, t is using that contraception method is the one who's going to tell you whether it works for them or not. And that's the thing that I think that's missing. It's a very paternalistic view on how to give someone medicine right now. And what, what we want to do is say, you know, everyone who wants to do this, they're smart enough. We can tell them the different parts of this. It doesn't have to be behind, behind the gate of a physician that says, oh, we didn't want to tell you that you weren't actually getting a period. It's like, we can tell people. They can handle it. <laughs> and then they can make the decisions that they want to make. Um, but to hide that information I, is my biggest concern of what's going on with contraception. Is it's hidden, hidden information in the counseling process because if you allow people to to make a decision based on informed consent, then what they choose is their choice. If they decide that they want hormones, they know the consequences, and you don't fear monger it. You tell them what it is. If they decide they want to put in a copper IUD, they understand what's happening in their uterine lining when that happens, and that. They weigh the they weigh it against what they're going to get out of it, and they say yes. 
what are some trends that you all are seeing that might surprise us as you're working through continuing to build your company and you've already identified people aren't getting the counseling, especially afterwards, they're not really fully getting informed consent up front. But is there any other insights that you all have that would be interesting for those considering birth control or even prescribing birth control to others? I think a lot of the things that we're seeing is coming from having conversations with our members and them going through our process and some of the biggest trends that I'm seeing, but also um, things that I'm the most surprised about are how much people don't know and don't understand going into this process and how many people have actually commented that just going through our questionnaire and our initial intake was so helpful for them that they learned more from just that process of like asking themselves questions about their body or thinking about things that they were never um, given the space to think about was so healing for them, impactful for their journey, and just guiding um, thereafter. That like gives me chills even to even to think about. Um, but from overall, when look, working with with our community and with our members, it it is really interesting to see how how different um, all of the results and all of the experience truly is. And I think that is reflective of the space and just of women's health in general. And I think um, we are still learning. I think we're still we're still right. understanding this space and um, still getting to know and having these conversations is really helpful for our iterative process. Um, and we really prioritize taking that user-centered design approach because women have been left out for so long. Um, we haven't been a part of this process. We've just been, oh, try this one. You know, oh, that didn't work. Well, try this one. To go to what Thar was saying about that informed consent piece. So it's so, so, so important as we continue to build Raya and build out our tech that we are drawing the community in and asking them how do they want to receive this information um, and be involved in that way. Mm -hmm. I, th I think uh, one of the things that we see, there's two things as one is how impactful it is to take a slightly different approach to, to data gathering uh, is that we're not, that it's clear to our, our members that it's a, it is a, a birth control best friend. It is, it has a different feel to why we want to know the yep. information we want to know. Uh, and I, I think that that has been really We've seen the impact in the members of like how they actually feel as part of a community rather than, you know, they have a user number and then they're welcome to join our forums. Like, <laughs> and so that I think has been really beautiful to watch that, that we can actually uh, shift, shift the, the dialogue around what it means to build tech and what it means to gather data. Uh, and then the other thing I think is recognizing how far reaching menstrual health goes in a person's mm -hmm. life. So mm -hmm. we, we were able to give our, our outputs to them, which technically is like, this should just shift your period experience. I mean, we know it doesn't, but that's from a, from a medical point of view. It's like, oh, this is just to do this. Uh, but the impact it has on people's full lives is so big. And I think that that's what's, what you speak to is that it's, it's just the beginning of understanding that the hormones that flood our bodies on regular basis, they change us and that what we do to change them will also change us. 
And uh, I think that that's been, I think that's something that people should take away from what we've been able to gather is that it, it, it starts at your menstrual cycle, but it actually expands into how you experience your life because your menstrual cycle is for every day of your life, not your whole life, but every day when you're exactly. having it. <laughs> so what about the complexity of women's health? So then do you all make a referral or make a recommendation to women on, okay, you know, our boundary is this, but okay, because you could have these other things, do you then make other recommendations? Because you know, again, I'm also seeing all the femtech companies, they're starting to spread out into other areas. A lot of them are buying each other to really go across the women's life cycle. And so because, you know, there is now this explosion of recognition that focusing on one specific thing is great because you go deep, but then the woman has other issues. So how are you addressing that woman is where it's not a straightforward, hey, I need a birth control. Which one do I pick? Thanks so much. Thanks for the coaching. I'm good. Like, what happens if it's someone more complex? Given our stage, full transparency, we are um, an early stage startup and don't want to bite off more than we can chew. And we see that birth control, this contraceptive counseling process is so largely underserved that we can create value and add value. But you're totally right. A lot of our members are coming to us asking other questions. So they'll... Um, get support on their birth control, but they'll also be inquiring about, you know, their experience with PCOS or their experience navigating their STI symptoms and that new diagnosis. Um, and so we want to, of course, have an open dialogue and never turn somebody away. We often will refer people to other credible resources in their area that they can find more information, just given our capacity at the time. Our system does flag if there is a larger concern. We might give a little disclaimer that say, you know, you might want to check with your doctor about this. Um, but at this point, we are focused on that birth control piece um, with lots of really exciting plans to implement some of these other verticals and use our system and enable our community in other areas of sexual health and reproductive health. Okay, that's fair. So I think we have a really good sense of the challenges with, you know, finding a birth control that's right for you. You've talked about some of the trends that you're seeing. What I'd now like to know from from both of you is I have two last questions. One is, if you could change one thing about, and maybe it's too narrow of a question to say birth control, um, because you may have seen broader things. So I'll just start with, if you could change one thing about birth control, what would it be? But if it's a broader thing that you wanted to address, um, completely fair. I think Dallas and I probably have the same answer on this. It's true because we've <laughs> talked about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have had conversations around just that language and even the name birth control and how much the space and just how that needs to change. The name needs to change in order to be reflective of the entire experience that people are having when it comes to this area, when it comes to, you know, um, pregnancy prevention or um, other treatments and methods for managing menstrual symptoms or whatever it might be. Um, birth control is just a tiny little piece of it. Yep. And I think it can, hormonal and non-hormonal options can serve such a greater purpose um, that we get into like that, that labeling piece can sometimes 
be a disservice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ch- changing and, and shifting yeah. how we see it. Like we could see some things with preg- pregnancy prevention. We can also start to speak about using hormones. Yeah. Like just actually use the word hormones when we're using hormones. And so people understand that you're using hormones for something or you're using something else for pregnancy prevention. So really starting to split things up as well as rename. That's awesome. I like that. I really, I never thought about it that way, but that's great. This is why I like to talk to, to all the experts who are diving deep into the spaces. So now let's talk about takeaways. So if people listening to this, whether it's a healthcare provider or um, a a patient, what would you want them to take away as like the one or two um, key points? So um, Dallas, why don't you go first? Yeah, and this is something that I like to reiterate to our community often because I don't think people hear it enough is, you know, your experience is your experience. Um, Everyone's journey is different and like, that's okay. And that's beautiful. And it those things that make us unique and the things that are our differentiators as our as individuals and as our unique experience can be leveraged as informational tools on our health journeys and it can be what really gets us to your perfect birth control match or right. you know allows you to live confidently throughout that trial phase or going through this process of navigating birth control options and beyond um so always remembering like just listen, listen to your body. It's telling you a lot. Um, and your experience is yours. I love that. Sada, anything to add to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the same vein, but directed towards the health line, which is listen. The word is like, listen to your patients, listen to them. They are smarter than you think they are. That their experiences as, as Dallas is like, empowering them and and helping them understand that their experiences are valid is that as a practitioner, it's so important to understand that that experience is real. And maybe they just don't have the language that makes sense to you. Maybe they don't know how to describe the location appropriately for you. It's your job as a practitioner to figure out how to pull that the story out because they're telling you, they are telling you the answer. Um, and so to me, that's, it's the listen component that's missing. And what, what Ray is doing is we're listening. And that's, that's the takeaway I would say for listen to your bodies and practitioners, listen to your patients. Awesome. Thank you. These are really incredible, um, insights that, that you all have and, and really aligned with what I've been seeing in the many, many interviews I do. It's with all women's health, um, topics is we got to listen and we do know our bodies best. I've even had doctors come on and say, you know, we're the expert on the, the medical side of it and you're the expert on your body. So, so thank you both so much for your dedication to, you know, really helping people choose the, the right method for them based on what they're trying to solve, because it may not be just birth control, <laughs> as, as you rightly said, exactly. Dada. So thank you so much um, and keep at it. And I look forward to following where you all progress. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thanks for having us on, Georgie. Thank you for tuning in to this discussion on the FemPower Health podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about FemPower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. 
And another way to support FemPower Health Podcast is to leave a review where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health Podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the FemPower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter, because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com, drop us a message on social media, or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.